In 2019, 4,781 people, including 50 unaccompanied children, applied for protection or asylum from the Irish government. With over 7,330 applications pending, the current rejection rate stands at 48%. My name is Stephen Naughton and you are very welcome to the Good Boss Bad Boss podcast episode 15. Thank you for joining us as we explore the world of work and leadership from a variety of different industries. This podcast seeks to entertain, educate and hopefully change some behaviour to make working life better for all. You might have noticed I took a break from the podcast in the last couple of months. The honest reason is that with everything going on in the world with COVID-19, it just didn't seem that important. Frontline workers were doing their best and businesses were struggling to survive. I didn't want to produce content that didn't enrich people and while I considered interviewing doctors and nurses about their challenges, the fact is plenty of people were doing that already. I was lucky to be still working remotely on a project with some brilliant people in the UK. We'd spend all day in the Zoomiverse and at the end of each day I was itching to get outside and on the move. So I turned my creative neurons to more practical tasks such as spending time with my kids, we actually built a full-size spaceship in the back garden, and getting fit again. It all worked to keep my mindset positive. In short, the world had turned upside down and I felt a pause was the right thing to do. Then George Floyd was killed and our media was taken over by a different headline and a different cause. America was eating itself, and I felt angry at the obvious injustices and the heavy-handed treatment the people were receiving. But that was America, the great melting pot of culture. What about Ireland? Are we racist? How do we treat people from a different culture, with a different heritage, with a different skin colour? Some years ago, I met a very interesting guy called Lucky Kambule, and I knew he was involved in the asylum seekers' rights process, and he spoke in the media on behalf of Maasai, the movement of asylum seekers in Ireland. So last week I contacted him to come on the podcast and talk about the challenges for asylum seekers in Ireland. I had a list of questions I wanted to ask, but I didn't get to ask more than one. What follows is a story of a life disassembled, of power taken away, and the creation of a protest movement that achieved its aims peacefully and with respect. This is a story of how leadership can be exercised in unlikely places and in contrasting ways. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Lucky Kambule, you're very welcome to the Good Boss, Bad Boss podcast, episode 15, uh, returning after a little break imposed by COVID-19. That- <laughs> As, as everything is, it's affected everything. But you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So, Thank you so much. Look, we, we've got loads to get through in terms of the work you do now um, with with your movement, uh, Maasai. But I just want to give people a, a little insight into who you are, uh, uh, Lucky the Man, and where, where you're from. You, you've had a bit of a journey to get here in terms of uh, a, a person who leads a movement or is part of leading a movement in Ireland. I'm from South Africa and my province is uh, KZN, which is called KwaZulu-Natal. Right, in yeah. My, in, yes, it's, if I say KwaZulu-Natal, it's coastal. And uh, the city for KwaZulu-Natal is called Durban. Uh, I grew up in 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 the farm in the farm area or in the rural uh, side of of KwaZulu Natal. My village has got a name that is coming from from the Scotland from the Scottish because during the times of 
colonization. Uh, the Scottish settled there, and it's called Clydesdale. Clydesdale. Oh yeah, like the horses. Clyde, Clydesdale. It's, it's it's named after a river Clyde in in Scotland. So there was a priest that that was there for many many years, and his name was John Weaver. Most of the of of the because that place is a is a, it's a mission. I was born in that mission, and it's the the church. We only had one church, and that church was called the the Anglican Church. So the the old the old village will you will be baptized by by that by that. Uh, by that uh, priest, and uh, when they baptize people at that time, they will give people their own, you know, Christian names. That's so they would say. So the parents will come with the child, child, and then is baptized, given a Christian name. Nobody liked them anyway. <laughs> uh, so I, I was born there under those uh, uh, under those values, uh, as the old the old village would. Sunday, everybody goes. Everybody goes goes to church. So uh, it's it, the, then there was a school also in, the, in that village, a primary school and a high school. So people would, and the hospital. So it was kind of uh, services wise, it was well equipped with yeah. everything. In 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 as much in that the, the the nearby villages would be coming. To, to our village for schooling, for for shopping, for for church. Family was huge. We grew up with the grandma because our mothers would be going to the city. As as my mother, for instance, was a domestic worker. She yeah. used to be in the city, and we grew and started in the village. So only we see each other during the school breaks. Right. When then I would go and visit her in Durban, where she would be taking care of a white family, right. and uh, she would stay there and come back maybe once a year. So <clears throat> we learned. I learned from very early in terms of responsibility, because as we were growing up as siblings, everything that we would do in terms of getting. A, 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 a plate or a dish of of food on the table for that evening. Everyone would have contributed in that uh, preparation of that dish. Yeah. From going to the to the field and fetch the, the wood. From going to the river. If you are a girl, you go to the river and fetch water, because everything was was manual. There was no electricity. Forget about that. So everything was done at that moment. So even when you go to school, you have to wake up early in the morning. We used to wake up at four o'clock in the morning so that you can prepare uh, the, the, the fire to cook for what you're going to eat before you go to school. Yeah. So all the 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 responsibilities of, of taking care of things started from there, I would say. From that then, I went to a boarding school. I was about 14 years. I went to the boarding school. For the first time, I left home. And the comfort, you left. I left the comfort of, of, of my home and I went to the boarding school. 
and all by myself there now. So there's nobody to cry to. So you have to stand up and be strong from a boy to a man as early as that. So that also was part of my saying, kind of taking responsibility of my life and taking responsibility of the other siblings. So because when I started working now, those that were coming before, after me, so I had to take care of them when the, 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 the parents now started, uh, uh, they, they, because my, my mom, my mother passed away when I was about 17 years old. Right. So as an elder person, that is, I had that responsibility of, of helping the other siblings for education, for their upkeep. That changed everything with me. Mm. That changed everything at that young age. The following year, my brother, who I told you about, who was now in Joburg, arranged with my grandmother to visit him. Yeah. And for the first time, I had to go to Joburg. And that trip I never forget because remember, this now is the the the, the apartheid time. Mm -hmm. The apartheid time. The rules of apartheid are very strong at that time. One afternoon, or it was just during the day, maybe lunch time. Now. My brother was, was living in a hostel. There's a hostel called Nicefield. So he was living there with other with other men because yeah. they were working somewhere as security and, and stuff. So my me and and the, and, the, um, and my other friends that were also visiting their their relatives there, we would now be left in the hostel while they go and and, and, and work. But this particular day, there was a raid in the hostel. Right. by the uh, police, white policemen. They came. We were small. And now, uh, apparently, we had to have a permit to be there. Okay. And we did not have that permit. And they were now taking us in the van to lock us up because we were in this place with no permit. Wow. And uh, it was a, a it was an experience that I, I never forget because they already just as before they already handcuffed us. Yeah. Okay. And just before we go to the they take us to the van, the they their Land Rovers, the famous Land Rovers back then that they would put you in the van. Just before they do that, another another man who also was staying in the in the in the hostel. Uh, intervened because he came as he, they were about to, to, to take us and then it explained to them our being there yeah. you know and uh, for some reason then after some time they, they let us go they didn't take us but that moment that fear of being handcuffed, that fear of having just about to get to that van because yeah. you don't know what's going to happen, where you're going to go, and all that. My brother is not there; he's gone to work. Yeah, you know. So that moment as well was something where you were, you feel the racism that yeah. was uh, in, in, in right right there. It was it was racism right there, and uh, <clears throat> I never forget that moment. So yeah, and fast forward, started working. And uh, I worked also in an insurance company when I when I when I finished school. I went. I, I, I in fact, before I go to the insurance company, when I finished school, I also worked as a teacher 
Right. Okay. In yeah. the primary school, Department of Education. I didn't like it. I I, I, <laughs> I was about to say what what happened. What, you you didn't you didn't <laughs> stick with teaching, no? No, I didn't like I didn't like I didn't like teaching. I didn't like teaching uh, because at that time I will tell you the three three main kind of job opportunities in that at that time in in SN Cape and KZN was teaching, police, and nursing. Right. Those were the three major opportunities for a black person to get work. During my school days, I did uh, maths and science. So I liked my, as a boy, was on computer science and everything to do with maths and science. That is what I wanted to do. Yeah, so the teaching, how long did you last at teaching as a matter of interest? One year. Well, you, you've probably lasted longer than most of the homeschool parents at the moment. <laughs> they, they, they can't wait for the summer holidays. So I think you're, you're, there's a lot of people a lot of people listening to this going, yeah, I couldn't be a teacher either. <laughs> I, I think we've all learned how hard it is to teach now. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah, no, no, no. But I, I, I enjoy, I always enjoy what I do. That That is, that is me. Whatever I do, I make sure that I enjoy it and I yeah. do it to the best of my ability. Yeah. Then <clears throat> spend most of the time in that insurance, in, in the insurance uh, company. So as the internal training that I was getting, I ended up being in the in the in the management side of things. Yeah. So I now had to take care of, of people and I was also uh, responsible for opening new offices. When there's a new office open, they will give me give me that opportunity to be the manager and and start the office from from scratch using uh, obviously the the infrastructure that the company had. That was my working life. And uh, until then, uh, I'll fast forward now. And uh, in 2010, we had the World Cup, and uh, uh, which was which was massive for the for the country. And mm-hmm. I watched one of one or two games. There was a game between Spain and Germany, which Spain won. And then in 2012, there were a lot of, 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 uh, of riots in, in my play, in my town, in Devon, and in, 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 in the surroundings there, political uh, violence that was going on here, a lot mm. of killings that were going on there. So I got, you know, got in the crossfire where I witnessed one of the, of the killings in, in one of the towns called uh, Kwamashu there, or, or locations called Kwamashu. And uh, by then, I was uh, also volunteering at a uh, hospice as an administrator in, in, in Nanda. So I was an administrator there and also helping with the elderly. Yeah. So I witnessed this death, I mean, this, this shooting. And I was identified. I was chased. I had to run for my life then. Wow. Then that is when I now had to leave where I was and go and hide somewhere else to lie low. Yeah. Because in, 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 at that time, for instance, I think it was about October of 2012, an eyewitness went to court. And while they were in court, in the courtyard, surrounded with police somebody came and just shot that person dead 
right in court wow. because he was a he was a state witness on a murder. So whoever that did that didn't care whether he gets he gets gets caught or whatever. Just wanted to silence that person so that whatever information he has, whoever is is I mean when you when you kill the person that has got evidence, you mm. you have killed the evidence, so the person yeah. will go free. So when all those things were happening, so though that thing clicked to my mind that if a person can be shot at a place that is so safe, or so you think, with the police in watching, so what? Yeah. What else then? What else can you can where, you do? Where can you be safe? So, yeah. Yeah, Ireland at that time was not really really famous for anything. The only time I, Ireland was in the news, as far as we are concerned, back there, was the 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 qualifications, whereby the Irish people yeah. were robbed with a handball. <laughs> yeah, the and French. Also, the what annoyed us as 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 soccer loving people because soccer South Africa is crazy with soccer, and when they 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 they, they are captain, for instance, in one of the World Cups, they are captain. Uh, just left the camp and, and and let the team down. So that's what we we, we saw as a is, captain is it, living. This is Roy Keane, is it? Is this going that back? Roy oh, Keane, yeah. 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 So those are the things that I could remember about, about Ireland and nothing else. And, and, and how did Ireland come up on your radar as a place to go? No idea, no idea. Some, because I was in hiding for about uh, three weeks there. And uh, when when somebody was uh, arranging uh, tickets to go nice. uh, to go away, so I didn't know until I, I I boarded the bus because I took the bus from Devon to to Joburg. And so you had been in hiding. Sorry, you'd been in hiding for three weeks. Bec- yeah, like that. You knew that people were looking for you. Yes, 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 yes. Because what they did, they they because. The area where I was staying in, <clears throat> back home, yeah. there was an informal settlement next to, uh, I mean, to the area where I was staying. And there, there were young kids that I would, you know, take them to the soccer ground and, and coach them yeah. football, okay, and take them to matches. So they would, they would, they, they know, they called me coach, so they, they knew me. You know, so and those the area where I was, it's, it's close as well to to, to where our, uh, uh, the incident happened, you know, so people knew how to find me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And uh, there a lot of people got in, in trouble with regard to with regard to what happened there because they they banned some uh, stuff as well. Uh, the houses, I mean, the, those sheds, you know, they banned looking for me they burnt the shacks shack. to, to threaten yeah. threaten people to try and find where you was, yeah because where i was because uh, i went to a friend's place and uh, whoever was close to me there you know they didn't believe that they the person didn't know where i was right so they were threatening they were threatening that that uh, a friend of mine there uh after that then at night it was at night when the day I had to leave, it was a night. Took a bus from 
from uh, Deben Station to Jobek, and then from there, that's when I could see now where I'm go- where I was going. And and somebody else arranged this for you. They they, they kind of said yeah yeah. Somebody I'll, else arranged for me because where I was hiding, it was also a a kind of it was a church. Right. Okay. Yeah, it was a church, so it was a well-known person there. Uh, but it was away from from the area where I was. I went to the south side. I was on the north side. I went to the south side, so nobody would have expected me to go there. Yeah, that that was a, that was the experience for me. Uh, and you, you yeah, found you found I, yourself at the airport with a yeah, ticket ticket straight to Ireland, or with the, yeah, with a ticket straight to 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 Dublin. Yeah. And you landed. Yeah. You landed in Dublin, and and uh... I landed in Dublin. All okay. I landed in Dublin, and uh, yeah. Then I seek asylum. That's it. How do you go about that? Do you announce at the airport? I need. Yeah, I, uh, I need your help. Or do you wait a few weeks? Or what? What way do you do it? Yeah. It. 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 It all. It, it all. It all depends. You. You can. I didn't do it right away on the on, on, on airport. You know. You know. The okay. sooner you do. Uh, the better for you in right. your case. So I did that two days later and I went to the office, uh, to the office where you apply for asylum. Yeah. Nobody tells you anything. You sit there in those yellow, red uh, chairs. I was then, um, oh, I think it was about after eight because it was dark at that time. When the taxi came and took us with another lady, the lady was a Cameroonian lady. And that lady did not even speak a word of English. We were transported by a taxi to Palseskin. Palseskin is a reception area. So when you come and seek asylum, once you declare your, your asylum and then they ask you, do you have a place to stay? If you say no, and then they arrange you to go to Palseskin, which is in Finglas. Okay. And we went there. Uh, at night, it was already past the the meals time so we went to bed with no meals from on that day so the lady went to the ladies block and i went to i was put to a to a mail mail block i found my experience my first impression getting to that room i saw a, a three little beds close to each other very very small and uh, there was a guy that was there already on the other side and i took the other bed and he said that the guy the, uh, the there was a person also on this on the second bed and the the the, the other roommate that i found there mm. said the person that was sitting next sleeping next to my bed was taken a night before and they don't know what happened to him people came and they they took him they don't know what happened to him. Maybe he was deported or something like that. Nobody knows. Right. The first thing that came to me, I said, is that the way that you're going to live here? And it brought back the days of my of my uh, boarding school. It was the routine was just as in boarding school. Yeah, that was that. I stayed there for about two months. Then I was moved to Cork. Okay. And, and yeah, where whereabouts in Cork? A, another direct provision center. Another direct provision center, which is called uh, is called Kinsale Road Accommodation Center. Then I was moved there. So that is where now 
I started to to observe things because the first day, let me tell you about the first day when I got to that direct provision center in Cork. We were in a bus, loads of us from Balzaskin to there. They were already they already knew that we were coming. The the staff. They, they, there's a, there was a room, the big room, like a, with a kind of a kind of a boardroom kind of a table that's there. So they had prepared there our toiletries and our towels each. So when we got to the reception, we were taken to that room. So we would we were standing next to our towels or to the to the to these necessities that were given to us. Yeah. We're all standing there. And then this man that came like a like a like a schoolmaster. Yeah. You know, in a bossy way, kind of a telling in a telling kind of a no nonsense kind of a thing. You know the the the, the schoolmaster when he's giving those those scary instructions to the boys so that you dare, you know, you'll get it. Yeah. So he was in that attitude. So that was the impression and all the and he gave us the rule book like the, the rules, a, a, a 45 page booklet for the rules. And it's, it's just on my first day and I'm not liking what I'm seeing. And then I'm taken to the room and the room as well that I'm taken to is also got three beds. And there was a guy that was there. I can't, I can't forget that. There was a guy that was there. Uh, uh, it was in the afternoon, run about four-ish. He's just laying, he's just, he's, he's, he's awake, he's just relaxing on his bed, on his side. Yeah. I greet him. He's not even having it. He, he not didn't, greeting at all. He didn't acknowledge you. No. I put go to my to my bed, I put stuff there, and then I, I left I left the room and then because we, we already came with people that we were friends already. We made friends in Pazeski yes, for two yeah. months or two and a half months. Then fast track in terms of now the living conditions. The way that that pissed me off there was the way that people were spoken to. The way that people were de- lit- uh, were belittled, were racially abused. Right. Go back to your country, you won't get that in your in your country. That's that was that bully manager. He, he was a bully. The one the person that I talked about the school the the, the master or the schoolmaster that came and, and gave instructions. Yeah. He was just like that. He was feared by everybody, even by staff. And he was saying anything that he wants to say to the people. One ex- example, what I can just mention was that was, there was a time where we had breakfast and there was a pregnant lady who was chewing for, for food. Uh, uh, and she just wanted, she asked for an extra bowl of uh, cereal. You know that guy, he happened to be there and he just shouted at this young lady. Yeah. You know, he's shouting at this young lady and he's, he's, he's saying, you, you, you don't, this is not a, 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 this is not a cafe. You don't, there's no samos here. Mm. You know, the person is pregnant for God's sake. But in the queue, there was another lady, uh, a Nigerian lady. Who took up that fight for for that lady? Right. We were all chewing there. We were observing what was happening, and there was confrontation, verbal confrontation between her and the manager, and it went to swearing. And that manager, you can I just saw that that person is really empty. 
because the way that he reacted didn't show leadership no in terms of diffusing the situation because he always wanted to be seen as a boss who's who's who, who see who saw people who saw individuals as less of human beings surrenders yeah. apparently it was something that has been going for years people have been enjoying this for years and they were so scared of addressing him in any way yeah because they would just push everybody this side push everybody that side so what we did then uh, having observed that was happening remember there are this this a group of over 250 people to 300 people in one place okay from different nationalities different backgrounds nobody knows nobody there yeah you know you you just put together you just have to get along and there were people there that were already over six years over 10 years that were there already that have been there 10 and 10, I, 10 years yeah 10 years 10 years in the direct provision center in the direct provision 10 years I remember there was a, a lady uh, whose son was born in direct provision. He celebrated his 10th year in direct provision. Oh His son doesn't, didn't know any other life than the hostel life. And, and, and so you had to share a room. So were some people sharing a room for 10 yeah. years? Yes. And, yes. and and that child who was born there, were they sharing a room with, like, was there family rooms? It was, okay, they had, because the, the lady had two kids. So she had, she was not sharing, she was just with her kids. She had a room with her kids, but her her kids didn't have any space. Just no, the room, no, no, no. just the room. Just the room, yeah. Just the room. Did they have play areas? Did they have any way to make it a normal childhood for somebody going from zero to 10 years of age? Yeah, no, there was no playroom. That boy also liked football. So there was no place where they could even play football, but there was, they, they would go to the, to the car park there and, 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 and start kicking football there, you know? And uh, it's one of the things also that is still a, a problem in direct problem by kids still today. There's still, there are case, places that they don't have places to, to to play for the kids it's it's really so, annoying it's really annoying to hear it that that in particular has just struck a really that's annoyed me because you know you'll see all over social media and linkedin and all this about mental health and well-being and get exercise and blah 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 and then yeah. and then we allow that we allow a child i don't care where you're from it's a child yeah. it's with, a child, with yeah. nowhere to play mm-hmm. even a little bit it's yeah. just disgraceful in modern Ireland, I think, isn't it? <laughs> it's one of the saddest things about direct provision, which the government doesn't want to acknowledge, that the children are not supposed to be, to be growing in direct provision. No child no. is supposed to grow in direct provision. There is no suitability of anything in direct provision for children. So what, what, what then happened? Because we got together, we started getting together. I started speaking with people that have been there for a long time. And I said, guys... Yeah. We need to start speaking up about what is happening here. And will, people will say that we have been trying to do this for many, many years. This guy will never do anything. I mean, he will never change. And, and they had that attitude. The, 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 I mean, I wish I you know I could not blame them. But I yeah. kept on talking to people 
you know, to say, let's let's meet and talk about uh, and talk about stuff. And it's uh, every, every day we started meeting. At, we started we started three of us, three three guys, uh, who, who saw a grid, and we called a meeting. There were about seven people in the first meeting, and then the next meeting there were about eleven meeting people, and we started forming a, what we call an interim committee. I said to them, guys, what we need to do is to just let's formalize ourselves so that we have direction. For a work to be done, we, we need to have responsibility as from the people in order for things to happen. Somebody needs to, to, to facilitate. Somebody needs to take notes. Somebody to, needs to do something. When we have decided on what to do, then we call yeah. the big group and we present to them with the, with the interim committee that will be working towards that. So we get the, the mandate from the, big, from the bigger group everyone in that room appointed me or nominated me to be the chairperson of that committee we tasked to get people together and we had then we had a, a, a huge meeting one of the evenings we had a huge meeting which we address now the 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 the, the, the old the old uh, center and we wanted everyone to have a voice and my God, everyone spoke and we had somebody to take all the, we said, I said to people, don't, don't uh, beautify or don't, don't make sense of what people are saying. Take what they are saying as, as it is. Take what it is. Don't, don't, don't try to, to, to make it, you know, understand. Put it down so that yeah. we have every little point from everybody. And everyone had something to say. Everyone was angry for action. What then happened? We planned a protest, which we effected it on the 15th of September of 2014. We closed, we decided to close the gate in the morning before everybody comes, because it was, it was going to be hard to push people away. So we yeah. said, okay, half past five, everybody is in the gate. Nobody is allowed in. And then we tasked three guys to communicate with the night staff, security and cleaner, cleaners, about four of them, to ask them, to tell them that we are now taking over the, the center. Kindly remove yourself mm -hmm. on the other side. And when you're on the other side, call somebody, call your boss and tell them that the residents have taken over the center. I'm even outside. With respect, we approached them. They didn't say anything. They just went there. It was a cool kind of a operation. Yeah. The master, the bully master I spoke about earlier, yeah. came about 7 o'clock. Different story. Everyone was there in that morning, including children. He tried to push himself to the human chain that we formed there in the yeah. gate. But people stood strong. He went back to his car, or he went, there was already a guard that was there, and we already prepared the notes of what we are complaining about. We gave it to everybody that came, gave it to the guards. We went to the guards, the guards said, ask me, have you dealt with these things, with these complaints that the people are, are, are mentioning it? He says, no, 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 I didn't have a time to do that. He said, okay, it's not, a, it's not our problem, and they left. Wow, okay. okay. Then we took over the case, the, the, the sender, for 10 full days while we were no negotiating 
these things on our own. Not with him. No. Not with him. With the Department of Justice. Because one of our, of our demands was unanimously, we don't want him back. I mean, the, 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 there's as you talk there, there's so many leadership lessons in how this happened. First of all, you identified the problem that was the burning platform of change that was needed. You built an alliance with three three people and then you spread yeah. that slowly. You, you, you brought in more followers to it, seven people, then 11 people. You, you built this coalition of, yeah. of, of people from all different nationalities, from different places yeah. coming together. And then you had, and I really like this next part of how to how to start this movement was your first big meeting was listen, just yeah. listen, yeah. and and no judgment, just listen to everybody first. Yeah, and and in that way, you know, g- give people back something that they had been starved of, which was somebody exactly. who who listened to yeah. to to what was going on and and then it culminated in this action where you took the center over for 10 days you had your list of of demands which chief among them was get rid of a, of a bad leader um yeah, you yeah. know which which is key what mm. what was the result at the end of the 10 days they were us they were they were pleading with us to stop the strike but we were not having it with the with the department when they came and 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 tried to 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 bulldoze us in terms of uh, being uh, 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 the, the, the the legalities and the people's jobs at stake, and all, they try to put put some, you know, to make small of what we were doing. They did not. They 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 knew our our demands because they had them already, but they didn't go to that. They were focusing on us stopping the strike. Yeah. And yeah. what we said there, please go. Leave us and come back when you are ready to talk with us. Yeah. And you will talk with everybody. We said everybody must come to that big room now. Everybody must come. We said nobody is speaking on behalf of anybody. You come there. And gosh, that strategy worked because people spoke. People vented their anger that they've been building up for so many years. If people are stuck in direct provision for 10 years or five years or two years, it, I mean, you know, 10 years, it just seems an insane amount of time. They would have so many things to complain about. And yeah. yet, and yet it was just civility. Uh, it, it was it was about being treated well. You know, obviously people were, willing is the wrong word, able, I'd say, able to put up with being stuck in this, limbo for so long but what they weren't yeah. able to put up with was the absolute lack of leadership from from this person who who should have been there to help and to uh you know comfort to have compassion to yeah, yeah. To, to make this a tolerable exactly. stay i mean uh, you, I wonder what they were told their job was. That's what you know. I'd lo- I'd love to see what the job yeah, description yeah. was because I mean the the obvious things uh, don't don't you know it it seems if the, if they're um, preventing a, a pregnant woman from getting a second bowl of cornflakes, I think they've missed the point. Exactly, it's just, uh, amazing. It's just 
you know it's, we, it's we, we don't hear enough of these stories you know to, to humanize I like I like the way that you you know in the negotiation another lesson I suppose that people could take away from this is that you put a face on the issue so yeah. the department you didn't just negotiate with the department from arm's length you made them come and see the faces yeah. of the people that it was affecting yeah. and you also got to look into their faces and yes. and it's that human to human contact as well makes a difference too that 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 was key really because in 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 in, in previous attempts that failed in yeah. in terms of action uh, the department never came close and there would be an NGO that would be acting as a go-between to solve the people and not solve the problem of the people. Yes, yeah. But coming to the 10th day, what we said to them, let's have an agreement of the things that you say you will change. You will change. Put them down in writing, sign them, then we can talk. Yeah. They came with that document signed. Right. We. We, we said to them, we are going to suspend the strike yeah. subject to the implementation of these changes that we have agreed upon. And if for some reason you do not implement this, we are going to continue and go to the gate. That must have felt like an amazing victory to make that happen. Oh gosh, it was. Everybody still talks about that, uh, especially over there at that time, because people felt liberated. People felt that freedom of the action that they took themselves that led to that victory. That Those 10 days were the best 10 days of direct provision because people were free, journalists would come, children would play, food did not have time frame. People, the, 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 the ladies would cook food. The, the community from the cork came and, and gave food to people. And it, 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 it just, you know, it, it was just a community kind of a thing. And not one glass or one cup was broken, by the way. Yeah. They thought that, geez, our, they, they won't see the building. That's yeah. what they, they agreed. They, they, they said, we thought that we won't see the, the, the windows broken yeah. and all that. They, well, they didn't think that we are human beings. But all that is done with so much respect. Yeah. With so much respect. And another lesson is to to always act with respect. And from that then Maasai was born. So this yeah. is the movement of uh, asylum seekers in Ireland. Yeah. What happened then on day 10, we said we're going to go and have a, a, a parade in Cork City oh, wow. with the community. So we had a, a, a march in Cork City on day 10. And then we said, after the march, we are coming all, everyone in the community, we're gonna have a big celebration inside the center where people brought food and, and played music in celebration because this is victory. Let's celebrate victory. Yeah. Okay. And then from there, one of the things that I said to in, in the crowd in, in town, uh, we are we are done with phase one of our movement <laughs> of our action. We are now going to phase two. You Nobody did, knew. You didn't give yourself any time to enjoy the victory. <laughs> no, no, no. Nobody, nobody really caught it in terms of what does he mean now by phase two. And I said, 
we're now starting a movement throughout the country. Mm. And we started lobbying now people in other centers. We want we 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 went to other centers. We had the, the, the support of of the local who would drive us to various centers to speak yeah. with, the, with the people and to 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 share with them the story of Kinsey. It's no longer now a cock thing. Now it becomes a national thing. Yeah. And then we decided. We said, okay, guys. In what we have been doing this now for, for for about for some months, now we need to find a name for ourselves. Then there came the movement of asylum seekers in Ireland to raise awareness about what is happening in the direct provision centers. To say one of the key things that we mentioned was that direct provision has to end, deportations must stop, third level education access to be available for asylum seekers. And faster processing of of applications. Yeah, yeah. And the major the major challenge that we face in in mobilizing the centers is the fear that captures people. It par- paralyzes the the people from action. It stops them taking exactly. action. Exactly, because every time you speak up, they tell you that your case will be affected. Yeah. Every time you speak up, they tell you you will be transferred, or you will lose your bag. Yeah, because if you because the the major thing that we are saying to people when we speak with them is that the easy the easy thing to do is to address a issue or a problem collectively, and when you address it in a collective way, there is no gaps in terms of the, you see the divide and rule kind of a yeah. approach that yeah the the the, the the so-called heads or, or, or managers or owners will have, they divide, divide and rule. You complain about this, okay, we sort you so that you don't go with this group that complains. Yeah. You keep quiet in that corner. We stay, we keep you in the corner because we have done a favor for you. So you feel obliged, obligated to this person. You have put your loyalty yes. to this person that has given you a, an extra soap or an extra shampoo. I, I sent you a load of questions earlier on today uh, about what we might talk about, but I think you've given me a much better story <laughs> than I could have ever imagined. It's it's really how a movement can start, and there's some amazing lessons in that. And I just think it's an it's an amazing story of how things can be done. And I, I suppose the last question I would have is, how does Ireland rate? when it comes to treating people from from different cultures, would you say? Are we, you know, you've probably talked to people from, from a, a lot of different situations. Are we doing okay? I wish I would say we are doing okay. Or Ireland is doing okay. Unfortunately, they're not doing okay. What do we need to do no. better? When we were invited to speak in Parliament in the Joint Committee last year in May, one of the key things that we, we ended our presentation to the to the TDs was that all we want is for us to be treated the way that you would treat an Irish person. Okay. That's all that we want. Every when you have that as a base of your policies that you design, stop policies that make people not to progress. People are already in Ireland. Don't have a fear of, oh, now suddenly there will be a 
a hail of, 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 of people coming into coming to Ireland. Don't have that fear at all. And and put and put rules and, 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 and laws that deprive a person not to even drive. What does a country lose by giving a person the permission to drive, for God's sake? No, nothing. And 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 everything should be put in context. We have an incredibly low amount of 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 uh, foreign visitors uh, who who stay with us. I mean, from the point of view of, uh, I think Asian, we we might have maybe seventy thousand uh, uh, not non Irish black people. I think we have about sixty four thousand or so. Yeah. Uh, Eastern European, I think we have a bit more, maybe a hundred and twenty or, or or maybe a bit more. But like it's it's minute percentage, like it's maybe one percent, two percent, three percent. Like we've we don't we don't have, you know, in actual fact, we could probably uh, fit uh, each different ethnicity in Crow Park and have a a, a chat. <laughs> you know, it's it's <laughs> tiny amounts, tiny amounts. Yeah. Um. So there's no reason we can't give everybody that dignity, of treating them with the same respect that I think anybody listening. Have a think about if your own son or daughter, if you'd be happy with them being treated like that. Yeah, I said to somebody the other day, uh, yesterday, that remember when Ireland was not working for Irish people, Irish people left in numbers. Yeah. And they were strangers in some parts of the world everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, 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 we're called names. Yeah. In in uh, the the famous quote, no no blacks, no dogs, no Irish. That was the, exactly. the thing. Yeah. We we mustn't forget that. No, that we were once a stranger somewhere, and even yeah. now, the Chishok, every Saint Pat's, everyone goes to USA yeah. and pleads for the people that are there to be documented. Yes, that's true. And there's a very few number that is here. Very, very few. That's, I think, for the for the amount of headlines it gets, negative headlines sometimes. The the it's it's disproportionate. You know, the the there really isn't yeah. uh, really isn't an issue. I think I think uh, I th- there was a a great poem written by Imelda May, the singer there recently, um, and she said, "You don't get to be racist and Irish." <laughs> And I, I liked I liked that idea. Um, yeah, yeah, that, you know, yeah, yeah. We, we've too much history to to ignore. Yeah, you know, we don't we don't get that that luxury. And, and Ireland fought for freedom. Yeah, fought for freedom. So let's 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 not let the people before the the, the grandfathers of uh, the great great fathers of Ireland. Let's not let them down by 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 by. Uh, moving away from the values that they they, they upheld and, and built this country. And we can do it together. We can do it together. People who are in Ireland needs to, need to know that this is our problem. We need to make each and every problem in Ireland to be a collective kind of a thing. Corona has, has, has forced us, has forced people to look into things and look into what we can do together. Yeah. The people that bailed out in terms of being available in these services are more migrants. Absolutely. You know? Heavily relied so on, yeah. 
that is the 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 the, the end of, of 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 the message is that we can do it together let's do it together it is possible let's change our attitude let's change our ways we can reach the top together i think that is a perfect place to finish it lucky this has been absolutely fascinating so thanks very much lucky thank you so much it's been a pleasure can you imagine living in fear for your life being transported to a different country with nothing to your name Can you imagine sharing a room with strangers for months on end, maybe years on end? Can you imagine having to endure bullying and disrespect daily? And can you imagine that that is what safety looked like? Then imagine risking safety to rise up and peacefully but firmly take a stand. If you are Irish, you should be able to imagine that. It is part of our story. It is part of our heritage. 170 years ago, a potato blight and despicable British government policies ripped a hole in our land and our people. Our population reduced from 8.5 million to lower than 5 million in the subsequent decades. 1.5 million died and 2 million emigrated. For nearly half a century, we were the refugees. But things have changed, haven't they? And Ireland is supposed to be the land of a thousand welcomes, isn't it? Well, I think that can't just apply to rich American tourists. It has to be more than just a saying on a brochure. How we welcome others displays some of our core values in our society. Once again, Ireland can be a leader, punching above our weight on the world stage, and I, for one, truly want us to be the land of a thousand welcomes. My thanks to Lucky Kambule for sharing his story of leadership with me. You can support Maasai by going to their webpage at www.maasai.ie. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us the greatest favour and share it with all your friends and colleagues, even if it is just to promote a conversation at the moment. If you have any comments or you want to start a conversation with me, please email me at stephen at stephennaughton.com. You can find more from me on Instagram at the Good Boss Bad Boss Podcast, and I promise I really will be back next month with another Good Boss Bad Boss guest. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>